Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hey, it's another week. It's another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. I am professional scrum trainer Ryan Ripley. This gentleman next to me is fellow professional scrum trainer Eric Weber. I think a 10-year veteran of the scrum wars. Right, Eric? Yeah, almost. A lot, a lot has changed in 10 years. Yeah, Eric's definitely uh, one of the ones who early on was very encouraging and very helpful. Always have appreciated our time in Burlington, Vermont. No, Burlington, Massachusetts. <laughs> I, was, I don't know why I say Vermont. But we, we assemble every now and then, or we used to at headquarters. And Eric's one of the good ones who uh, is willing to help out. So it's always been great getting some mentorship and some guidance from him. And so, Eric, thanks for joining us here. I can't wait to see what what I get to learn from you today. Of course. I hope I have a couple uh, gems to share. Well, I think you, I think you do like you're a, you've been to a lot of places. You've seen a lot of scrum. You've seen a lot of agile coaches working in large organizations. You've actually founded startups and invested in places. And so lots of great experience and, and something that we were talking about before we hit the record button was this idea that perhaps agile coaches could be forgetting the product owner in the big scheme of things. Like they're, they're good at, and, and right. We love scrum masters, right. We're professional scrum trainers, but the agile coaches are a reality in our world. Right. And so they go in and they do, I think they do a decent job of coaching at the middle management and the executive level. And they, they kind of coach the scrum master because that's kind of the, there's, there's a lot of polarity there. There's a lot of congruence there. They sometimes, if they're technical, coach the the developers. But something you pointed out that was missing, and I thought, man, that's so true. Maybe sometimes they forget the product owner. Right? Yeah, or just for, forget helping the product owner uh, understand 
agile product management in general. Um, it seems like most agile coaches I run into uh, focus a lot on process or sometimes if they come from a technical like coding background on like good agile programming uh, practices, which is great. We need that. Uh, but I don't run into a lot of agile coaches that are helping the product owner understand the product and understand how to move it forward in the most valuable way. There's not, yeah. a, lot of, not a lot of tools and techniques uh, being given to product owners out there uh, to help them. Well, and what's really interesting about your your more recent history, especially in the Scrum world, is that you help bring forward the professional Scrum with UX, UI, um, partnered up with uh, Jeff Gothelt and uh, Josh Seedon, along with Gary Pedretti. And you guys brought this class forward. And there seems to be a lot of tools and techniques within that, that body of material that Agile coaches could really leverage to kind of fill this gap. Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start. And it's super digestible. Uh, that Lean UX book and specifically the Lean UX canvas is something that you can help your product owner work through in an hour the first time, right? You can get all the way around that canvas in an hour. Uh, and as you get into it more, that's something that you could set up for like every major feature, maybe do it once a quarter for the product as a whole or do it for the product as a whole as you're kicking the product off. Uh, there's a lot of kind of levels of recursion for that tool. Uh, you can get a lot of a lot of mileage out of just that one, uh, just that one tool, the Lean UX canvas. Yeah, so that's a, a pretty powerful canvas that forces you. What, what I like about it forces you to ask some really serious questions. What I like about it is, I think towards the middle of this canvas, if I'm thinking of the right thing, there's a question about your unfair advantage, right? Why is it that you're the you're the team or you're the company that has to build this thing? And if you can't answer it, you're you probably discovered another commodity, something else sure. that could be copied or replicated easily by someone else, right? Sure. Um, the yeah, the thing that I really like about the canvas is it focuses on both how your product's providing value to the business and how it's providing value to the end user. Yep. And one way that your product can provide value to the business is by having an unfair advantage. When you're filling this thing out, especially if you're doing this as a short exercise, like in an hour. What you just said is what I'm focused on. It's it's can you fill this out, read it back to somebody, and is it plausible? Like, do you even believe it yourself? Right? There's if if you're just trying to go around the canvas in an hour or so, maybe uh, you're not going to have a lot of time to put a lot of detail in it. But you ought to be able to tell yourself a story that makes sense and that you can believe, right? And if you can't if you can't really think about how your product provides value to the business and to the users, if you can't really think of some basic assumptions as far as what your personas look like, how how you might actually build the product out, what some of its main features are, if you can't get there, uh, you're probably you probably just don't have enough information yet about what it is you're trying to solve. Yeah, and in case people have never seen the Lean UX Canvas, I went ahead and, and tossed it up here real quick. Um, it, it's just a fascinating look. Um, and, and this is one version of it. I think this is Jeff's uh, latest version. This is version 4.0 that came out. Um, I think I think this is actually the most recent. And as you can see, business problems, business outcomes, users and customers, user benefits. And as Eric said, there's a there's a an internal and external view of this, the hypothesis, thing we need to learn first and then the least amount of work to get to the next thing and such a great and powerful um canvas to use um because not only is it 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 is it is problem based it's solution centric but it also goes straight to outcomes and not not the outputs and the activities 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really minimized, right? It's mm-hmm. what are you trying to, how is the world different because we did this work? And if you can't answer that, don't go past number two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is a great tool. You can sit down with your product owner in, in less than an hour and go through this, uh, help them understand wh- what's going on with the product, see if you believe it. And then if, if you do, like the next step here is box six, seven, and eight, those can be repeated almost for every feature. Uh, it, especially if the feature is something that's going to cost a lot to develop. Like, why would we invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in developing this feature if we don't have any evidence that uh, it's going to work or people are going to like it or it's going to do the thing that we think it's going to do? Let's think of a way that we can test it for tens or hundreds of dollars uh, before we invest a bunch into product development. Right. Yeah, very powerful canvas. I think this is a great way that agile coaches can really bring product owners into the discussion. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, we'll leave a link uh, probably in the comments below that will yeah. pin up and uh, we'll make sure that you can check this out. And so, Eric, this is one way that I think Agile coaches can really help product owners get a, come to terms with Agile product management. And I think even more importantly, empiricism, yeah. right? the fact that it's all hypothesis driven, it's experimentation. You know, what else have you seen in the wild, especially I think most recently you, you've held sort of a, a product owner ish role um at a startup you know what what stresses you out throughout the day as a product owner like where could a, an agile coach kind of come in and say you know all right buddy we know this is stressful but you know here's how we can address these things like where are the pressure points and how do you see agile coaches kind of fitting in to relieve some of that yeah i have two things here one is um i think a lot of product owners get themselves in trouble by uh doing a lot of the uh I don't know what the right word is for it, like the the administrative work of a product owner. Um, and they, they end up spending a lot of time doing things like actually writing user stories or yeah. a- actually, you know, coming up with dozens of, of features or PBIs on the backlog and, and eliciting details for all of these things. Or they spend a lot of time uh, worried about other project or product um, things like uh, constraints that you have to deal with, like budget or whatever. So one of the things I like to do is show, uh, get the product owners a little bit familiar with um, the the stances of a product owner and where they might consider spending their time in a little bit of a different way than maybe what we're what we were taught ten years ago, where it's like, yeah, the product owner owns the backlog and they write the PBIs. That's that's what they do. Uh, that's just very surface level. Like you might do some of that, but you also might do none of that. Uh, I always like telling the story that when I'm a product owner, I'm not a very detailed person. I'm not good at at looking through the whole backlog and writing details on every PPI and stuff like that. I always have people on the team help me out with that. And I spend more time thinking about, okay, where is this product going next? How are we going to test these ideas cheaply? Uh, and dealing with other constraints in the organization. Um, so the, the stances of the product owner are, are a good way to start trying to get away from being a scribe, being a backlog manager, and having those types of activities being your full-time job or almost your full-time job. And more towards um, you know learning how to make really good decisions, learning how to uh, influence stakeholders, um, kind of uh, just managing stakeholders, uh, herding cats, as we like to call it, yeah. uh, you know, figuring out what's going on in the organization and in the market and, and distilling that down into your product team. 
you don't have to be the person that's writing everything, that's writing every user story and all of the acceptance criteria. You can get help with that, uh, whether it's on whether it's somebody on the team or uh, uh, from product management, if there's a separate organization or wherever it is, you can get help with some of these lower level things so that you have time to spend on more strategic things. Yeah, I, I, I remember so many conversations with product owners when I've tried to help them as an agile coach or as a scrum master, where they were so heads down into the product backlog and very distinctly remember a conversation where this is not the product and you're not having a conversation here, mm -hmm. right? You have a team of people who can help you and you have a whole slew of stakeholders and users and customers. I kind of separate them out. So I think there's different contexts that we speak to them within that you're not addressing because you're so heads down into yes. this product backlog. You're missing the feedback, like you're missing loops that, that you could really take advantage of because you're so hell bent on the perfect user story. That's right. Perfect acceptance criteria. And the per right. and there's no perfection. It's a hypothesis. Go do something <laughs> and learn something. And by at the end, we'll know what the perfect story would have been. That's right. And so if you're an agile coach, I mean, check this out. Your your product owner is probably getting told that this is their job. Right. So so not only do you have to work with the product owner to, to nudge them in, in more of a strategic direction, you probably have to work with their management or the rest of the organization to understand, like, here's really how we want to position product owners going forward. We, we don't really want product owners spending 30 hours a week in the backlog. We want them spending 30 hours a week with the market and the customer and the product at large. Uh, which you know means dozens of different activities. It's not as simple as saying I'm managing a backlog, um, but that's what we want them to do. So not only do you have to convince the organization, but you also have to nudge the product owner in that direction because they're probably being told they might even be measured on, or it might be part of their job description yeah. that they're in charge of writing user stories. You know, Eric, I don't know about you, but when I've when I've been in the product owner role, the best ideas have come from when I was in the field observing what people were doing with the product. Yeah. Right. When I could actually see what a pain was or what was happening kind of on the outside of the, of the use, it seems like that's where the greatest growth and the greatest, and it actually wasn't my idea. It would someone basically someone walking up to me, are you the guy that's responsible for this iPad app? And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. if it did this, I would not hate you as much as I do right now. Like that's the kind <laughs> of conversations you get. And it's like, well, I don't want you to hate me at all. So what is it? And suddenly they're like, I, I can't do this and I'm struggling with, and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. We could do this, this, and this. And then this guy and this gal gets, you know, 10 hours back in their day. And, but it doesn't happen if you're not That's out right. there. Right. That's right. Hey, the other thing I think of is product owners dealing with constraints. Um, look, there, there are realities in our projects and products, things like, Hey, we have, we have a trade show on January 15th and we're going to demo our product at it. And all of a sudden, what, what we get a lot of times is product owners saying like, okay, well, this has to be done by January 15th. And then the team kind of is reactionary a little bit like, oh, fixed date, uh, this doesn't feel right. And sometimes the scrum master steps in and says, oh no, that's not what we, that's not scrum. That's not what we do. You get into all this sort of weird stuff. And uh, what I'm thinking about here is like agile coaches, like talk to your POs about how they communicate these things. Yep. Having a trade show where you want to demo your product is an awesome opportunity. But if you, if you as a product owner approach your team and say, we need these features by January 15th, and then you turn around and leave the room, you haven't really given the team a problem to solve. You've just given them a, a problem. Drive, <laughs> a problem. <laughs> 
But imagine a different scenario where where you walk into the team room and you're like, hey, look, we have the opportunity to have 15 minutes on stage in front of 7,500 people that are interested in this market space. And I'd really like to demo X, Y, and Z features of our product. Now what? Right? And hey, look, this, this event is happening on January 15th, out of our control, external constraint. What can we do to get there? That's a very different conversation Yeah, <clears throat> setting deadlines and dates and things like that. POs aren't used to that. And, and you know, for 40 years, we've been trained to say, this, <laughs> this is the product. These are the dates these, yep. this is what we have to hit. We've been trained that way. Uh, and agile coaches could really help us out with language and approach when it comes to communicating external constraints to the team. You know, one of my favorite questions in that situation, Eric, is is to just say, what's the minimal thing that we could do here to give a to give people an idea of what we're trying to achieve? What's yeah. the minimal but sufficient that gets the idea across? And then people start going, oh, so it doesn't have to. It, the slight change in language, what the developer hears is, it doesn't have to all be done, right? It has to be high quality. It has to look great, but it it's not the whole thing. It's we're trying to get feedback, and it just mm-hmm. changes. And for some reason, that language shift, I mean, I've seen it so many times, it just like, it empowers them. You're basically telling the devs, we need you to creatively solve a problem instead of we need you to meet this directive or else. Right. And that shift is huge to to a a developer, to a creative, right? Yes, absolutely. So Agile coaches, help us out. Product owners need some love too. (laughs) I love it. Eric, thank you so much for bringing this forward. I think it's a really important reminder to Agile coaches um, and I just think super, super good idea here and a lot of tools too, right? Use the canvas, use some of these language shifts, uh, agile coaches. We know you have the skills, apply them to the product owner as well. Eric, anything you want to promote or, or discuss before we wrap this one up? No, I don't think so, but I will plug the advanced product owner course with scrum.org. I just taught it for the first time last week. And I think it's an amazing two days of exploring these stances. Um, really good if you're already a agile coach, actually, mm-hmm. or if you're in product at a company. Love, yeah. love that discussion. Yeah, uh, it's one that that Todd and I have taught through a few times. It's a it's a lot of fun. I'll actually plug your course, Eric. the The PSU, the Professional Scrum with UX UI. I'm actually taking it this uh, Thursday and Friday with nice. your with your partner uh, Gary Pedretti nice. on the course, and uh, him and Ty Crockett are actually teamed up to oh, teach cool. the class and. So I'm excited awesome. to see, yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys built and uh, can't wait to use those tools in our own practice. So two good courses, if you get a chance to take them. Um, and if you see Eric teaching a PSU uh, in the future or a product owner course, it's hard to go wrong with Eric. So definitely check out what he's up to. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. End screen time. Check out the socials, like, and subscribe. So you never miss a video. You don't want to miss these videos. Uh, Each and every week, we bring great agilists like Eric to the forefront and try to uh, wrangle out a few of their uh, best kept secrets, tips and ideas. And so we certainly got there today. Hope you got a lot out of the discussion with Eric, but like and subscribe so you never miss a video. Some videos are going to pop up below the YouTube algorithm thinks you'll like them. Hey, we do too. Leave (laughs) your comments, uh, ask your questions, and uh, we'll see if we can get Eric back someday if there's a really good question in there. But otherwise, go forward, do some good things. Agile coaches, don't forget about your product owners. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. 
Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and scrum on.